0: Oh God, our oh Father, we uh, come before your word um, tonight, recognizing that it's a hard word. And Father, we pray that you'll help us, by your Spirit, to understand it, to apply it to our lives, no matter how, my, how difficult that might be. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I wonder, have you ever met a murderer? Have you ever met a murderer? Just have a think about that. Maybe there's a few hands that could go up. Um, the, the Sermon on the Mount is about uh, the kingdom of heaven. We, we've begun to discover that, haven't we? It's the kingdom, uh, and it's the kingdom is a gift. It's a gift to those who believe And trust in the Lord Jesus, who come under his rule, under his lordship, who've been saved by him. And it's the teaching of those who are in the kingdom. This is what it is like to live in the kingdom. And what happens is that we have the power to change. Power to change. Um, So we're not just about getting into the kingdom... As if that matters getting over the line and that's all that matters. It's actually about what happens when we're in the kingdom as well. How does this change come about? How do we live in this kingdom? So please keep your Bibles open um, at uh, uh, Matthew chapter 5. And verse 20 says, For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, Matt um, looked at this uh, last week, and I do encourage you to, if you haven't heard it, to go and listen to it on online. It would be really helpful um, to catch up. But what Jesus is saying here um, throughout the Sermon on the Mount is, well, if you belong to my kingdom, if you come under my rule, then what happens is God begins to work out his righteousness, his righteousness in you. Uh, it changes the quality of your, your character by the Spirit. And that changes everything. It changes the way you live, it changes the way you act, it changes the way you speak. And it will surpass even the righteousness of the Pharisees. So when you become a Christian, when you come into this kingdom, Jesus intends for us to be changed. And he starts with our relationships he starts with our relationships verse 21 have a look at it with me you have heard that it was said to the people long ago you shall not murder but I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment again anyone who says raka and anyone who says I'm paraphrasing you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. Now, what is Jesus telling us here? What is Jesus um, saying to us here? Well, before we get into the detail, let's just back off a moment and say that we do recognise, don't we, just how, how awful our broken relationships are. Broken relationships are, are terrible Um, And they're a great source of misery and pain. And and, uh, unfortunately, often we we use humour, don't we, to sort of cover up that kind of pain. Or or we laugh at other people's um, pain and circumstances. And a lot of our humour is based around um, other people's broken relationships. Um, I'm always reminded of that story about Winston Churchill when he responded to Lady uh, Astor. She said, she said to him, if you were my husband, I'd poison your tea. That's quite a harsh thing to say, isn't it? Um, to which he replied, Madam, if you were my wife, I'd drink it. So, but you, our response is we laugh. It's quite a funny little uh, anecdote. But always the, the truth is actually when we're inside a broken relationship, uh, it is really difficult. It's not painful. Um, we all know about this. And uh, it's not usually that funny. I'm sure um, lots of people here uh, are in and struggling with some kind of broken relationship. It, it, and it may be that you're uh, feeling that right now for whatever reason. Um, a long-standing Painful situation that has been unresolved. It could be somebody here, it could be somebody at work, wherever it might be. Jesus Christ wants to bring his kingdom power, his reconciling kingdom power into those situations to bring a righteousness from God. That will even unbelievably, incredibly surpass that of the Pharisees. It will transform those relationships. So I want us to talk about three um, three points. It's a nice sermon, isn't it? It's three points: um, the principle that Jesus is talking about, uh, the admission, and the uh, action. I nearly forgot it there. <laughs> for a moment the action so first of all the the principle let's start with the principle Jesus is teaching and then we'll look at the practice later the principle is simple but really really profound because basically what Jesus is saying is here is lovelessness is murder lovelessness is murder to not love is is akin to to murder Look again at verse 21. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago. Now, he's, he is talking about the Old Testament, but he's not talking about the Old Testament because of the language that he uses here. If he was, if he was really uh, quoting exactly the Old Testament, he would have said something like, it is written, or the scriptures say. But he uses a slightly different phrase here. He says, you have heard that it was said... And so what he's doing is, in that phrase, you have heard it said, he's really talking about how the religious leaders, the Pharisees and the teachers of law, have interpreted the law. Do you see the difference? Um, How they've interpreted the scripture and the commandments. He's pointing out that the Pharisees interpreted the sixth commandment in a very purely external way in a really external way. So as long as you haven't physically murdering, you're not physically murdering anyone, therefore you are guiltless. That's how the, the Pharisees understood it. But that's not how God's law works, actually. That's not how the commandments work, because they are not only prohibitive. They are not only about things that you shouldn't do. They are the, have the corresponding things that you should do. The opposite positive emphasis. That's how they're, they're to be understood. So, for example, do not steal isn't just that you shouldn't nick stuff. It's actually, if you don't show generosity to someone, actually you're robbing them. Do you see that there's, a, there's an opposite positive side to not stealing, is that you should be generous. And there's lots of examples. Malachi 3 is a good example where it talks about stealing being robbery and not being generous is robbery. And so with you shall not murder, means seeing not murdering somebody should also be seen as a commandment to see every life, every human life, as precious and valuable before God. Somebody made in God's likeness. And so, not to be discarded, not to be abused verbally or physically in any way, misused in some way for our own ends. And so, when someone says "raka," which literally just means "empty," empty it's a sort of—it it is an insult. It's saying that someone is nothing. You are nothing. You are, um, a, 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 it is a, a sign of anger. The sort of thing that we might say, um, that you might have heard said, you mean nothing to me. Um, you're a nobody even. And similarly, when, when Jesus says, you, you fool, which is where we get the words, the original is morons, moron, you moron. That means that you're literally an idiot, isn't it? That you have no cognitive Um, kind of ability to think through things through. So you're degrading what? You're degrading the very creative, created thing that God has created in his likeness. So it's a way of saying you're less than human because you're thick, isn't it, to say somebody is a a fool. You can't work this out. How stupid are you? Um, So it's it's a way of dehumanizing somebody. So Jesus isn't talking just about physical... uh, Uh, hostility here and murdering but he's also talking about showing indifference to someone. Actually indifference is also uh, I think uh, the positive uh, the the thing that we should also avoid treating someone like they don't exist like they're not there you're kind of removing their divinely given dignity and of course when you're removing their Dignity, you're in a sense, it starts to show indifference to someone. You're in a sense, don't want to have anything to do with them. You're removing them. And and when you start to say, I'm going to remove them, it sounds like murder to me, in a way, isn't it? I remember, um, I recall a very sad episode in, uh, when I was a student, a postgraduate student in Manchester, and I shared a flat with eight other students which might you say is a recipe for disaster. But anyway, we had, we had a common kitchen in, in, the, in the residence, in the flat. And I got to know one of the flatmates um, really well. We got on really well. We became good friends. We went for a drink together, things like that. Um, until one day, he got very, very angry with me, really angry. And it was all over the fact that I hadn't cleaned the grill pan. I know it sounds trivial to you, but I, I hadn't cleaned the grill pan, and I probably hadn't done it for some time either. So it was a serious, a serious thing. But he had spoken to me before about it a few weeks earlier, and I said, I'm sorry, I will try and clean the grill pan um, and keep it clean. Well, I didn't. He got angry, and I thought he, he was going to hit me, actually. It was that serious and, in, and uh, in the end he didn't and instead he just said I want to have nothing to do with you ever again I want to have nothing to do with you um, I'm not going to speak to you ever again that was it and he never spoke to me again I apologised I said I was sorry and I'd try and uh, sort it out and be better in the kitchen <laughs> um, And I thought at the time that he'd eventually come round, you know, maybe in a few weeks he'll calm down. But in the about two months that we're left in the flat together, it never did. It was odd. It was a difficult situation. Completely blanking me. Never spoke to me again. Never even looked at me. It was as if I didn't exist. And that is akin to murder, isn't it? When we think about it. You see, when we neglect someone, when we avoid them, don't care about them, seem indifferent towards them, we may not be physically murdering them, but in our hearts, they've become dead to us, haven't they? They don't matter anymore. Um, What we're doing uh, when we call someone a, a moron or a fool... An idiot. What we're doing, in essence, is murdering their character, isn't it? So we're murdering their character. We're murdering their confidence, because we're saying they're an idiot. We're murdering the, uh, the, the very thing that God has given them as a created person in his image. So, verse 22, I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother... Or sister, It's very interesting the word angry because we must remember God gets angry but his anger is a righteous anger. There is something called a righteous anger but that's not what Jesus is talking about here. He's talking about an anger which the word literally means to swell up with poison and to, to poison somebody. Uh, and that's what it is. It's a, it's a resentment, isn't it? It's a bitterness. It's to, to kill them off and that's the anger that that Jesus is talking about here. So that's the principle. It's a hard principle, isn't it? That is the principle. Lovelessness is murder. OK? So then secondly, the admission, the admission. What am I talking about here is, well, when we start to think about that, there's actually, therefore not much difference, is there, when we think that actually we're all murderers in this sense? There's not much difference between lovelessness and a physical murder that someone does. The same anger, the same resentment that causes people to physically kill is in every human heart, every person in this room. Um, And therefore the only difference, the difference between you and someone, say, sitting down the road in Belmarsh, serving a life sentence, is one of quantity, not one of quality. The difference is between us. is not one of quantity, not one of uh, of quality, but one of quantity. If you're not a believer, or you might you might say to in response to that, "I'm I'm nothing like those people. I, I'm I'm better than them." But the Christian. Um, says, I am like that person. I am like that. I have all the same ability to do what they did. In fact, I do it all the time in my heart. This is why Christians should be, we should be, if we're claiming the name of Christ, we should be some of the most compassionate people towards those who are convicted of physical murders. So Jesus is kind of kind of, asking, isn't he? Are you a murderer? Do you harbor grudges? Do you resent others? Are you indifferent to them, blank them, avoid them? And of course the answer is yes. That should be our admission. We are. We all are. You see how kind of searching and uh, profound I think this, this text is to us, that Jesus is saying. So we begin to realize, I can't possibly um, live like this. I can't actually live up to God's standard that he's talking about here. I just can't do it all the time. My, my righteousness is never righteous enough for God, never good enough for God. And I suppose it's at that point that we start to see what the law and the commandments were for uh, and what they should do for us. Because the Bible tells us that the law was never the basis to kind of get close to God. The law was not there to kind of get you close to God. No, the law, I, I mean, and as soon as we, as we realise this, we see the law is actually there to be a mirror to us, to hold up a mirror to so that we can see who we are. It shows us our needs. It shows us who we are. And it leads us, therefore, to Jesus. It leads us to Jesus. It takes you by the hand to him to say, well, to confess, to do an admission, as we've already been saying. To admit, to say to him, Lord, because Jesus died for me, because he took the punishment for my sins. For all my murderous thoughts and Because he lived a righteous life, the perfect life I could not lead on my behalf. I trust in him alone. Save me, help me, accept me. So the law leads us, you see, to Jesus. It it helps us to see that we can't live up to this. But he also gives us a great hope because it gives us a picture, a great picture of that glorious future. To which one day we will be fully transformed. But it's not to say that it's just in the future, it also starts now as we've entered into the kingdom of God through Jesus Christ. The moment we admit through Jesus Christ, admit that we're murderers, that's actually the, time, the moment that we stop being one. And that's when change really begins. Change because we become. We should become more compassionate to people, to others who've fallen into situations. We become more humble, recognizing that we're no better than anyone else uh, around us. We should be soft. We should be changed. Uh, You, you go out of your way um, to solve. The relationship breakdowns that we see not only in our own lives but around us and that really leads us the admission leads us to the final point about the action of what we do about it the action to be reconciled to them verse 23 have a look at look at it with me therefore if you are offering at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Leave your gift in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly. See, Jesus is saying it's not, it's not simply a, a matter of stopping resenting someone else. It's not just simply about um, stopping uh, maligning somebody else and saying nasty things about somebody else. Um, you're actually still disobeying. You're still disobeying the commandment unless you go and do something about it. Unless that actually turns into some kind of action, um, it's your job. It's my job to be reconciled, to make the move, to restore the relationship. And it says here to do it fast. Don't wait around. If you know something, do it as fast as you can. If you're worshipping God and you realise, uh, I, I take worship as oh, the whole of our lives is worship, and you realise somebody has something against you, it is an urgent matter. It's not something you can just put off and, and wait for a convenient moment. It's an urgent matter. Run. and Make it right. It doesn't matter who started it. It really doesn't matter who started it. You might say, well, what if the other person doesn't want to know? That's, that's happened. It's happened to me in the situation that I remember. My flatmate, um, didn't want to know. My apology, every time I tried to speak, um, he just looked away. And that may hap- that may happen to us. It may have happened to you. But we still have to try. There isn't an option that says, don't try. That is what Jesus commands us to do. Um, It's very interesting. Paul, in uh, Romans, in Romans chapter 12, verse 18, he says there, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. As far as it is possible. That doesn't mean there's going to be situations where you probably isn't going to be possible but you've tried to be reconciled so Jesus here says go you might have to go several times you might need to follow up things but the command is to go and you may be sitting there thinking Eddie you don't know my situation you don't know what it's really like Eddie I think you're being a bit unrealistic maybe you're being a bit idealistic in what you're saying Um, you don't know my situation some of the things that are going on for me have been going on for months or for years even even a generation and i understand that Uh, i really do but you can't get away from what it says here jesus says go quickly doesn't he go quickly it's a matter of urgency that's the loving thing to do i know it's hard but I suppose the question for, for us is, is, Is do we want to be like Jesus? Do you want to be like Jesus? Yeah. Jesus who says, you know, we're to, to uh, uh, forgive our enemies, we're to turn the other cheek. Some of these things we're going to wrestle with in the Sermon on the Mount, we're going to look at um, these things. Do we want to be loving like Jesus is? And so Jesus hits right at the end of the hints right at the end of the reading. If you don't obey, if you don't move out in this way, then actually, and this is stark warning, isn't it? You're not fit for worship. It's tough, isn't it? And I take worship at, here at, in that sense of being fit for God's presence. And of course, it's Jesus Christ who makes us fit for Jesus' presence. So, what are we actually saying here? If you're not willing to forgive, to go, to work at it, you're unfit for worship, for God. And in danger, here it says, of hell, which is very stark, very strong um, language. The message from Jesus is incredibly stark here. We'll be subject to judgment. Look at verse 25. Settle matters quickly with your adversary, who is taking you to court. Go quickly while you are still together. On the way, or your adversary may hand you over to, to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison until you pay the last penny. Now, that's there's no way, two ways about it. That does sound like a warning, doesn't it? Uh, and it is um, because if we do nothing, it actually reveals to us that we don't really understand the gospel. That's actually what it reveals to us. It reveals that we don't actually understand the gospel. We don't really understand Jesus. That's pretty fundamental though, isn't it? Um, that we are, that the gospel, and um, we could summarize that it is that we are all sinners. Um, but we're saved by the grace of God. You see, the more and more that we see who we are and who God is in his grace... Let the Holy Spirit pound our hearts with that, uh, tell ourselves it, read about it the more that we will be transformed by the knowledge of it and therefore you will be able to move out and able to forgive, to move out and be reconciled, able to love to let go of anger let go of the kind of raka mentality and the The foolish talk. Knowing that God, by his grace, has forgiven you. You see, God has every right, would have every right, to be angry with us. Hasn't he? Because we're sinners. But yet, by his grace, he has saved us. And how has he saved us? All that anger, that he would have the right to be angry with us, has gone on the cross isn't it on his son Jesus Christ as he dies for us in our place and so when we understand that and see that more the truth of that then we move out in that forgiveness to be forgiving to others so yes it is a warning but it's also an opportunity it is an opportunity for us Um, in a a little while we're going to finish aren't we we're going to Move on to prayers and to sing um, some more songs, probably. We'll probably start socializing. Um, we might have uh, refreshments. Um, we might just take a moment to think and to sit and to ponder these words. But this kind of relationship transformation does begin the moment we finish, doesn't it? It doesn't wait. If we're taking Jesus' words here, rightly then we need to move up quick move quickly as soon as we stand up at the end we need to be thinking we need to admit that we're lovelessness that we're murderers that we've been saved by the grace of God and we need to move out into action doing nothing is indifference so encourage us to go As hard as that might be, go to the people you need to speak with. Be reconciled. It might be people here, it might be people at home. It might take a time, it might take more than one go. It may take years even. But the emphasis is to go. That through Jesus Christ, his righteousness will help you, will change you and will surpass that of the Pharisees. Let's just take a moment to pray, shall we? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. You, God, our Father, we we read these words from your Scripture and recognise that they are, are are deep words, and they. Um, uh, they convict us. Uh, they challenge us. They they uh, show us who we are. Uh, and Father, we um, thank you again for the for the gospel. That it is Jesus Christ who's brought us peace with you. That your your anger, your wrath, has has been uh, has been uh, dealt with through Jesus on the cross. Thank you for that forgiveness and that freedom. Uh, And as we see that, we pray that we we will be propelled out more and more into the world, transformed by that gospel. Seeking to be reconciled where there are are, uh, conflicts, where there's relationship breakdown. Father, we confess that it's hard for us. Um, But we pray by your Spirit that we will hear your word that we will receive it and go out and live by it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.